0: Hello and welcome you legendary people today we are moving right along with the absolute creepiest urban legends in the next five states. The states we have for today are Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, and Minnesota. And wow, these M states came out strong with their legends. Before I dive in, I would love to know more from you on what you enjoy seeing on this channel. Please do not forget to like, comment, and subscribe so I know. Also, if you are a huge fan of true crime, did you know that I have an entirely separate channel totally dedicated to true crime? It's called Who Killed Who and is linked at the bottom of my homepage. Okay, Lauren, enough blabbering. Let's dive into these wild stories. First up, we have Maine. And I've got to say, this is one of the wildest stories I've heard in a while. And this is one of those urban legends that actually came out to be true. And that's why I put it in this video. So without further ado, the story is about Christopher Knight, known as the Hermit of North Pond. He lived alone in the woods of Maine for 27 years. He is believed to be the last true Hermit. According to the lore, Knight only spoke one word in nearly three decades in the 1990s when he was surprised by a hiker and said, hi. So what led this man to walk into the woods of Maine, never to emerge again by his own free will. In 1986, at 20 years old, Knight had graduated from high school, earned a technical degree and landed a job as an alarm technician, becoming increasingly unhappy with his job and possibly his entire life. He quit his job and decided to take a road trip to Florida, as one does. During the trip, he drove past his childhood home and then continued 100 miles north until he nearly ran out of gas on a small dirt road. He exited his car and entered the woods without a map or destination, leaving his car keys behind and effectively walking away from his entire life. In an interview, Knight stated, I had no plans. I had no map. I didn't know where I was going and I just walked away. He wandered south for weeks. During this trek, he stole from people's gardens when he was hungry. Finally, he found a perfect spot to set up camp for a while. The campsite kept Knight protected as it was shielded by two large boulders, lush forests and a pond on either side of him. He could see cabins in the distance and was very careful to stay completely under the radar. Eventually, the hermit made the decision to have to steal from these homes. His job training came in handy when it came to disabling the surveillance cameras. Knight was calculated in his endeavors, watching homes for days at a time to get a good sense of the owner's habits. In a letter, Knight wrote, I stole. I was a thief. I repeatedly stole over many years, knew it was wrong, felt guilty about it, and yet I continued to do it. Being very cautious, Knight had a list of things that he would never do in order to avoid being caught. For example, he only stole on weeknights, the most likely time the cabins would be empty. He never lit fires and made it a point to avoid the common trails, sticking to those covered with rocks and roots and avoiding leaving behind footprints. In an effort to avoid suspicion in case he was spotted, he took frequent sponge baths, kept his face shaved and his hair cut. Surviving in the wilderness of Maine would be no easy task for one year let alone 27 years. Winters can be frigid with temperature as low as negative 25 degrees Fahrenheit to stay warm. Knight would wake up during the coldest part of the night and pace around his camp to stay warm. He used a propane camp stove for cooking. He also used it to melt snow for drinking and for bathing. When he needed more propane, he would steal propane cylinders from empty camps and transport them back to his own camp via canoe. Now, let's get into some of the items he stole. If you're imagining expensive, lavish items, I'm sorry, but I'm about to disappoint. Knight only stole minor items such as blankets, milk crates, batteries, and flashlights. These are just a few examples, but the monetary value of these items were consistently inexpensive, yet crucial to Knight for his survival. In fact, the most expensive item on the list of stolen property was a mattress and a box spring. Over the course of 27 years, locals began to talk amongst themselves about the missing items, and it was as if there was a phantom of the Knight, and it created a folklore. The stolen items were so trivial that the townspeople were trying to let it go and chalked it up to just, it was something unexplained. Someone was being careless and not looking after their stuff good enough, and then some others knew that there was a phantom. This eventually led to Knight's official urban legend status. Due to the stealthiness, cautiousness, and the caliber of the stolen items, Christopher Knight became the urban legend that was called the North Point Hermit. He held that title in the woods for over two decades before being arrested in 2013. The arrest was made in connection to a break-in at a closed summer camp. Speaking to the police officer was Knight's first conversation in nearly three decades. In October of 2013, The North Point Hermit was sentenced to seven months in jail, but was able to take leave after a week with time served. Knight was ordered by the judge to pay back $2,000 in restitution to the victims of his crimes as well as completing three years of probation. From a Hermit immersed in total seclusion to a notorious worldwide celebrity that proved this urban legend was right. Christopher Knight had been on quite the journey. Once released from jail, Knight got a job and an apartment. According to those who know him, he leads a very quiet life and continues to value his privacy above all else. In a way, he is still a hermit, even though he's living in a city all around him. What do you think about the story? Do you admire Christopher Knight's desire to completely change his life and walk away from everything he knew? Are you impressed with his ability to not only survive, but thrive in such a primal state for almost 30 years? Or is he just another thief in the night? And is it as interesting to you as it is to me that this urban legend that had been going on for three decades almost was actually true the whole time? Up next on our list is Marilyn, and we are coming in with Maul Dyer, the witch who influenced the Blair Witch Project. A tragic victim of superstition, ignorance, or vigilante justice, the tale of Maul Dyer is one of the southern Maryland's most enduring legends. Just south of Leonardtown, a stream meanders under Route 5, with hills to its west and modern homes scattered around it this was the colonial home of Moll dyer whose story first came to light in the late 19th century in the saint mary's beacon Moll dyer described in morgan's article as an old hag lived in a ramshackle home she was shunned by the locals who feared her tall stride and baneful gaze this destitute woman roamed the land during the summer months gathering plants from the woodlands and begging a penance from the fearful neighbors who dared not deny her request. In the late 1600s and what would later become Leonardtown, Maryland, the townspeople were disturbed by the presence of this woman. She was believed to have been a healer who often aided the community. However, when the epidemic of influenza arose during the winter of 1697, the town inhabitants looked to lay blame and named her as its cause. The crux of the legend followed by a bitter storm of plummeting temperatures, a wintered blizzard of such fury that cattle and sheep froze in the fields. To the townspeople stricken and desperate, the witch in the woods was at the heart of all of their ills and they determined they had had enough. Fearful of the weather and the sickness, a mob accused Dyer of witchcraft and set upon her. When they set fire to her small cabin on a bitterly cold night in February 1698, Dyer escaped into the surrounding woods. The terrified woman fled to the surrounding woodland and the townspeople returned to their homes, satisfied they had ridden themselves of the person responsible for all of their troubles. Nothing more was heard from her for several days until a young boy searching for lost cattle in the snow came across her frozen body kneeling on a rock. One arm outstretched to the heavens as if she was cursing her tormentors. She died horribly in the early years of Maryland's history freezing to death in a brutal winter storm. Families living in the area reported that fields planted in the years after her passing remained uncharacteristically barren. Rumors of her ghost wandering through the land where her death occurred began surfacing in later years. Always, the legends insisted her spirit would be seen on the coldest night of winter. In the early 1970s, Philip Love, a St. Mary's County resident and writer for the Washington Star, became very interested in the legend and tracked down old timers in the area who knew where the rock that Maul Dyer had died upon and they knew that it was still in the woods. Love had the rock relocated to Old Colonial Jail in front of the courthouse in Leonardtown. The legend says you can still see the imprint of her hands and knees on the rock on which they found her. The legend also says that Maul put a curse on the land and on the rock. It's rumored that anyone who touches the rock may become dizzy or even fall ill. The stone remains one of the county's most curious relics. What do you think, after all of these years and all of the folklore that still continues, could there be any truth to the witch that haunts these woods? Massachusetts with Route 44, the Hitchhiker. As you find yourself near the end of Route 44, just outside of a quaint little town called Rehoboth, there just so happens to be a whopping 53 historic graveyards, for a population of only roughly 12,000 people. That leaves a lot of territory for paranormal activity. Despite being one of the oldest towns in America, established in 1643, Rehoboth really isn't known for anything in particular. Well, unless you are into phantom experiences or have made the mistake of picking up a hitchhiker along this route. Locals to the town have been reporting the Route 44 hitchhiker since the 1950s. Unlike their encounters with a hitchhiker, the description is almost always the same. Also known as the lumberjack hitchhiker, he is a well-built man between the ages of 45 and 55. He is known to have long red hair, a bushy red beard, and is dressed in a red flannel shirt with either jeans or brown work pants and work boots. Sometimes he is well-kept, but other times he appears grubby with an overgrown beard, dirty pants, and an untucked shirt. I mean, how much can you ask of a ghost hitchhiker, right? In most cases, he appears of solid form to the drivers, but not quite all there. Yet, there are some stories where he is transparent throughout the entire encounter. However, the most inconsistent physical description of the hitchhiker is with his eyes. Some report they look normal, but just don't feel right. Some claim they are black and empty, others glowing and lifeless. Every color has been attributed to them at one point or another from yellow and red to green. And it's this discrepancy that adds mystique to the skeptic's arguments against the existence of this ghostly spirit on Route 44. Near the Seekonk-Rehoboth line, if you happen to see a man wandering down the road, sometimes with his thumb out for a ride, I strongly advise you to lay on the gas. Still, some passerbys have stopped to pick him up and live to tell about it. They report asking where he is headed, but he gives no response. Ignoring all questions, he will just simply point down the road. Kind of rude. (laughs) After traveling down the road in complete silence, the hitchhiker suddenly begins to giggle creepy. If some big burly man started giggling in my backseat, I am pulling over and I am running. No thanks. Here's my car. Bye. No, Mm -mm. not playing with a big giggling man. But those giggles are then said to turn into a maniacal, uncontrollable laughter that pierces the ears of those in the vehicle. Fed up and terrified with the hitchhiker's behavior, the drivers threatened to pull over. I would already be gone, and force him out of the car if he does not stop. Yeah, I just I can't imagine that. Um, guys, what are y'all doing? Picking up giggling, burly hitchhiker men that don't stop laughing. We're just gonna continue on with story because there's been a lot of people that have done this and made this choice. I'm not judging them. But after again, he is still giggling. He's still laughing crazy. He will then just disappear the hitchhiker is gone he has just simply vanished even with a car moving at a pace up to 50 miles per hour one witness said that as he drove down the road the face of the hitchhiker appeared in the side of his car window as if he was floating alongside the vehicle some locals believe he may have been involved in a terrible car crash on that stretch of the road or clipped by a car while he was taking a walk one night. He could have even been a ghost of a 19th century farmer whose spirit has never been put to rest. We most likely will never know. Do you know anyone in this area that has heard of these stories or made the decision to actually pick up this hitchhiker? Please let me know in the comments and what they were thinking. The very next story is coming from Michigan and I have done a version of this story In another one of these videos, if you have watched through them, this might sound familiar. The story is of the melon heads in Michigan, which again, the theory is that the melon heads have now started to verge into other states. But again, if you haven't seen the other videos, don't worry, I'm going to tell you about it right now. Michigan is filled to the brim with urban legends and folklore. One of the most favored lore is that of the Mellowheads or the Wobbleheads, which I like that better. Wobbleheads sounds fun. According to the legend, a hospital in the area of Sugatuck, and I'm sorry if I am butchering that I'm doing my best with these city names, Michigan was treating hydrocephalic children. Hydrocephalus is a real neurological condition that causes excessive fluid in the brain to build up causing your head to grow to abnormal size. Allegedly, there was a doctor who was conducting experimental treatment on the children looking for a cure. It is said that after enduring extensive physical and emotional abuse, they became feral. When the hospital was forced to close and the children had nowhere to go, they were released from the Junction Insane Asylum into the woods near the Felt Mansion. An alternate ending to this tragic story is that the children devised a plan to escape and kill the doctor that had brutally abused them. It is said that the children had no place to hide the body, so they cut it up into small pieces which they hid around his mansion. The Allegan County Historical Society argues that the asylum never existed. Although in 1977, the Felt estate was purchased by the state of Michigan and converted into a correctional facility. Another tale says that the children once lived in the Felt mansion. It was used as the St. Augustine Seminary for boys in the 1950s, following the Felt family's departure. And that may have caused some tension. The town residents referred to them as melon heads because they were thought to be smarter, wealthier, and had big heads. This very well could have been the cause which later led them to retreat to a system of underground caverns on the 44 acre property. In a nearby hill left over from Mr. Felt's abandoned petting zoo, the tunnels are said to lead out into the woods. Locals who have remained in the area since the 1950s reported stories of being out in the woods and seeing glowing eyes from a child height creature. This is believed to be the melon heads who are generally described as small humanoids with bulbous heads occasionally emerging from hiding to attack people. Is there anything creepier than kids hiding with big heads to attack people? Sometimes they jump out, not only to attack, but to eat them. The creatures are said to still reside near the Felt Mansion, but witnesses have reported sightings deep into the wooded areas around Ottawa County. Rumors also exist that decades later, a group of teenagers who had broken into the mansion saw an apparition of the children and claimed to see the shadows of the doctor, most likely would have performed the heinous procedures on them. If you are feeling brave, the Felt estate has been restored back to its former glory, offering daily tours. Take a step back in time to explore Felt estate's history and be sure to report back here with any sightings of glowing eyes as long as you live to tell the tale. Coming in last but not least, we've got Minnesota and we have the hairy man of Vergas Trails. Just an hour and a half south of the famous Paul Bunyan and Blue Ox statue is a small town in west central Minnesota, Vergas, with a population of just over 300 people that live in a town that covers more than 194 miles of wooded trails. Although there are numerous haunted stories of the infamous Fergus trails, such as glowing headstones, ghosts of little children, and cults of chasing people, the one that attracts the residents' attention the most is that of the hairy man. Sightings seemed to have taken place as early as the 60s, with an increase of accounts in the 70s, but then tapered off after the 80s. Today, families in the area say it was all legend, while others claim it is an old hermit who lived in the woods, Christopher Knight, <clears throat> who lived in the woods but was not keen on kids wandering onto his property. A well-known resident, Ken Zitzo, who has since passed away, was a regular visitor of the Vergas Trails. He claims to have had a chilly encounter off Country Road 130 with his brother late one night. Zitzo returned from his drive in the woods with dents in his car hood and explained it was from the hairy man jumping in front of the vehicle, smashing his fist down on it. It also just might confirm an accurate description of this creature in a terrifying way. The hairy man is reported to be an aggressive eight-foot humanoid-like figure with shaggy long hair characteristics barefooted and have a displeasuring musky odor. The hairy man is thought to be the unknown malevolent cause of many animal attacks. Until recently, the hairy man legend was supported by eyewitness accounts, but now there appears to be some concrete evidence. Kim Doyle, the owner of Virga's 66 gas station, had quite a visit with one of the longtime residents of the town who brought in a shocking artifact. It seemed to be a humanoid skull of an unknown origin, one that doesn't quite share characteristics of human or primate. The current owner has had the skull for over five years and said the family that gave it to him owned it for a number of years before that. It was found in an area known as Klondike, where most of the hairy man sightings have occurred. The skull has humanoid features, including its eye sockets, teeth, and four vertebrae still intact. However, the depiction that doesn't match human features is that it is missing a nasal cavity bone. If you're looking to join Virgus locals on a hairy man celebration, be sure to mark your calendars for their own Virgus Hairy Man Festival. They're clearly leaning into this. Don't blame them. But if a festival is not your scene, you can also check out their long lake trails where their 5k run takes place. And who knows? You might just have a sighting to run away with of your own. Like, can you imagine just jogging on and then the hairy man comes up beside you and then leaves you in the dust? Like, would you tell anyone if no one saw it that you lost to the hairy man? And my brain goes weird places, but this completes this last five. And I am excited for the next five states that are to come again. Please do not forget to like and comment. It really helps me and it pushes my channel and YouTube's algorithm. I have passed 500 subscribers and I am grateful to each and every one of you. I would not have made it if it wasn't for you. So now let's get to a thousand. I think we can do it, right? We got to 500. It's nothing. We're good. We got this. Thanks again. I really deeply appreciate y'all and your support, and I will see you in the next one. Ignorance or v- v- vigilante called Rehoboth. Rehoboth. Unlike their, unlike their uh, the story is on the meg of Sugatuk Sagatok. Near, near, My brain is stopped. Unknown. Mal, malevolent. Malevolent.